Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. This week, the permanent record. John brings the case against his girlfriend, Emily. She has a number of tattoos and wants her next tattoo to be on her wrist. John wants Emily to reconsider the tattoo's placement. Can the judge resolve an issue that's needled them both? Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom. Ah, this meeting brings back memories. Childhood days, lemonade, romance. My life was wrapped around the circus. Her name was Lydia. Met her at the World's Fair in 1900. Knocked down from 1940. Ah, Lydia. She was the most glorious creature under the sun. Bailiff Jesse, swear them in. Please rise and raise your right hands. Do you swear to tell the truth? The whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God or whatever? I do. I do too. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling, despite the fact that he himself has no tattoos as he wishes to be buried in a judge's graveyard? (laughs) We will. Yes. (laughs) Judge Hodgman? Hello, John. Hello, Emily. Uh, I'm speaking to you via Electronic Miracle. While you are in Melbourne, Australia, is that correct? That is correct, and that was a good pronunciation, Melbourne. Me- well, then I'll then I'll correct myself. I apologize, Melbourne, Australia. That's correct, right? <laughs> yeah, that's more typical. Yes. <laughs> All right. Very good. Uh, where it is uh, six a.m. your time, and July twenty yeah. ninth p.m. my time. A thousand days away. Have I done the conversion correctly? (laughs) Pretty much. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Thank you for joining us here in the courtroom. Uh, uh, One of our, well, I guess we've had plenty of Canadian cases, so I can't really say it's our first international case. We also had a a British case, but our first trans-hemispheric case, I believe. Ooh. And uh, what what neighborhood do you live in in Melbourne? North Coat, Northcote. And is that a cool place to live? Is that a place where tattooed people live? Very much, yes. It's, yeah, it is a bit. It's All hip. Right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, I'm getting ahead of myself. First, for an immediate summary judgment in one of yours favors, can one of you name the piece of culture that I was referencing as I entered the courtroom? I will go with you, Emily. No, I got nothing. I, no, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. John, any thoughts? It sounded kind of old, like an old book or something. So I'm, I'm going to say Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, well, it could not be Edgar Allan Poe because the speaker references uh, the World's Fair of 1900. Come oh, on, yes. John. Come on, John. <laughs> <laughs> it's six o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I understand. But it, it's, it, you're not 100 years off, just a few hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the speaker was Groucho Marx in the movie At the Circus. That was his introduction to what some consider to be his signature song, Lydia the Tattooed Lady. Oh, Lydia, oh, Lydia, say, have you met Lydia? Lydia the Tattooed Lady. She has eyes that men adore so. And a torso, even more so. Lydia, oh Lydia, that encyclopedia. Oh Lydia, the queen of them all. On her back is the Battle of Waterloo. Beside it, the wreck of the Hesperus, too. Yeah, good song, right? Yeah, how about that? <laughs> well, yeah, nice. <laughs> In this case, Emily, you are a tattooed lady. John, are you a tattooed uh, gentleman? I am. All right. How many tattoos, uh, and John, you, you are bringing the case against Emily because That's she right. wishes to get another tattoo and you wish it not. First of all, are you married? We're not married. Second of all, how long have you been together? Two years. Okay. Third of all, how many tattoos do you have, John? Three. Please name and describe them. I have... Uh... A ship, a sailing ship on my shoulder, mm-hmm. and a, a, a crow and by sailing ship, do my you mean, chest. By sailing ship, do you mean like a, a masted schooner, or do you mean a, yeah. or a tattoo of, of the Carnival Triumph cruise ship that ran out of power 
that had a that had a, a, a an engine room fire and lost power in the, middle <laughs> of the Caribbean in February, and people had to poop and pee in the hallways. <laughs> <laughs> no, this uh, and an intentional from from the making from when they first made it a sailing ship. A sailing ship from when they first made what ships? Uh, sailing ships, not okay. ones that just broke down. Oh, okay, gotcha. And then you have a you have a a, a crow. Yes, a Where? crow. On my chest. Is it is it Drinky Crow from the from the comic strip Maki's by Tony Millionaire, also featuring beautiful illustrations of sailing ships? No, it uh, is a regular crow, unfortunately. When, when you listen to this podcast to hear your voice and funny accent in the future, please make a note to check out Maki's M A A K I E S by Tony Millionaire. So far, I think you and your tattoos will like it. All right, third tattoo. Okay, third tattoo is uh, a shared tattoo that Emily and I both have of a uh, feather. Ah, first of all, I thought you said a shed tattoo, a tattoo of a shed, <laughs> a small It would a be small appropriate in, in Australia. That's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's appropriate. But then, I, but then I realized you were speaking in your accent, and I apologize. A shared tattoo of a feather. That is to say you both have the same tattoo. You don't, have, you don't each have one half of a tattoo. You each have a full tattoo that matches of a feather where? Uh, on, on our, on my side here, on the side of my, I can't, you, under, you understand I can't see you ribs. on the ribs. Sorry. <laughs> yes. All right. So that, those are the three tattoos, Emily. Yes. How many tattoos do you have? I have only two. You have only two tattoos. Only two, measly two. So please describe the nature and position of each of these tattoos. I can guess one of them, a feather. Yes. Along your rib. You're cage. quite correct. Yes, that's right. So that's one. Which which, side, um, and which which rib? My left. Your left. My left. Cage. All right. Yes. And then I also have a um, a bird, a swallow, on my upper back. Uh huh. Um, just that's yeah. A, that's a classic, um, right there. Yeah. So it's not one of those sailor swallows, though. It's more lifelike. A more lifelike swallow. On yes. Your, on your upper <laughs> on your upper back. That's correct. Center position, right, left. What are we talking about? Center. Very much center. All right. And you want to get a, a third tattoo? I do. All right. And John says no. John, why? Well, okay. Please go ahead. Sorry. He doesn't say no to tattoos in general, but this one in particular and where it will be, he says no. Uh, okay. Is it, is it a tattoo of the Carnival Triumph on your face? <laughs> when, what is the proposed tattoo? Okay, it um, it will be on my wrist, but not um, sort of not on your wrist where your pulse is around the side. It's mm -hmm. a bit hard to describe, and um, it will be of a, a tree. <laughs> it, yeah, it's a tree um, that doesn't have any leaves, and it will just be an outline. Um, and yeah, as I said, so not when you're looking directly at your palm, but around the side. It's a tree without any leaves. Yes. Is, it the, is it the white tree of Gondor, the shield of Gondor? No, is that from Lord of the Rings? No, it's not that. Very nicely done. You didn't even Very think nice. of that. No, <laughs> that Excuse could be a good one. <laughs> well, you, but you live in Australia, not in New Zealand. So you hate Lord mm. of the Rings, right? mm. <laughs> Natural enemies. <laughs> uh, okay, so let me understand. Which, which wrist are we talking about, left or right? Probably Left. Probably left. Do you realize that will give you a tattoo imbalance on your left-hand side? I do know that, so I'll have to get more on my right-hand side to oh, no. even it up. <laughs> but this is the issue at hand, is it not? Because the, the tattoo you're talking about on your left wrist, and you say not where you would take your pulse and so not on the... In All right, here, here's what I want you and I want everyone listening to this podcast to do, espe okay. especially if you're driving. Close your eyes. <laughs> no, don't close your eyes. And don't do this if you're driving either. Hold out your left hand, palm up, just so I can understand what we're talking about here. Okay. Now, if I put, if I put my finger on the base of my palm, that, in, that interior of the wrist where all the weird veins and guts and tendons are, is that what you're talking about? No. So move your finger to the right to okay. under your little finger. Under my little but, finger, okay. Along, along yes, that. but not on, not on your hand. Just below. Just but, below. Yep, that's all where. Right. All right, and you want to put a, a leafless tree represent, yes. representing, representing your sorrow and deep sensitivity. 
<laughs> <laughs> it is a particular tree, uh, but no, that's not hopefully not what it represents. Before I ask about the particular tree, how big is this tree? About the size of a small oh. tree? No, nothing. No, no, very small. It would have to be a bonsai if it was a real tree. Right. Um, probably, I'm thinking, I'm trying to do inches. We don't have that here. So About an inch. No, look, is that one inch? I understand centimeters. Tell me Maybe three, three centimeters kind of tall. Right. And yeah. I'm getting out, maybe I'm two. Getting out my tape measure. <laughs> I should have done that too. Three centimeters tall. Okay, got it. And two approximately two centimeters wide. At, yes, at the at the sort of widest part, and then obviously narrowing at the trunk. So six square centimeters. Not not that quite. That sounds big, that doesn't it? Does sound big? No, it's not quite that big. The trunk three, is small. Three by two. Three by two. Right. Okay. The yes. trunk. The trunk is narrow. I just want to keep saying centimeters. Yeah. <laughs> they still it say they still say that in, in certain realms of the medical profession. You know. Centimeters. What? In France? No, in, in, in North America. Perhaps not in wow. Australia. Not in Australia. <laughs> so, okay, so relatively small. Now, what is the meaning of this tattoo to you? Well, okay, so it was um, from a place in the Northern Territory, which is um, it's called Kakadu, and it's really, really... This is a, um, this is a family pretty- podcast, please. <laughs> <laughs> Everything has weird names in Australia. You have to understand that. <laughs> Please use the term cockapoo. Cockapoo. <laughs> <laughs> I will not. <laughs> that's, that's, a little, that's a little shout out to a previous episode. Ah, okay. Yes, Kakadu. Okay. Kakadu in, in, the northern, Kakadu. in, the, nor, in the northern territories. Yes. Yep. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a very, very beautiful place um, and very feels very ancient. Um, I went there a few years ago and it's, uh, yeah, it's really, it's a really special place and I had a beautiful holiday there. Um, I'll be, the, and... I'll be the judge of that. Kakadu National <laughs> Park. <laughs> yes, that's it. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. It's pretty. I get you. Cliffs, cliffs and such. Looks like, uh, mm-hmm. well, that, uh, yeah, looks, looks, Cliffs looks, and plains. Yeah. It looks a little bit like the, like the landscape from the movie Up. Ah, yes, it does. Although that was based a on a, a part of uh, South America. But okay, I got gotcha. you. Good, beautiful. <laughs> and there's a and there's a there's one there's a tree there without without leaves because it's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a happy tree. It's a special tree. What is the name of the tree? Oh, I haven't thought to give it a name. No, 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 no. We don't name the tree. What is it species? What kind of tree is it? I have no idea. It's just a tree that was there. You have no idea. You have no. Where, no did, is this a tree that you saw? Did you take a picture of it? How do you even know what was, this tree is? I have a picture of it. I have a picture. I should have sent it actually. Yeah. Damn it. I you know what? Send it to me right now because I need to see it. You understand? Okay. Me, don't you? All right. So okay, you talk to John. I'll do that. Hang yeah, on. One I'm going to talk to John. Hello, John. Hi. It's me, John Hodgman. So. I have, I have questions for you now. Okay. You object to this tattoo, not in substance, but in p- placement. Is that correct? That, that's right. Tell me more. Uh, you know, I think that the obvious situation here is it's a tattoo that 99% of the time is, is seen. You can see it. Your clothes aren't going to cover it. Um, right. And that's the real difference. So, you know, it falls into that category. It's it's a it's a different beast than a tattoo that you can put a T-shirt on. You're not going to see it. Right. So, it's yeah. Uh, and Emily says, oh, the, you know, I could wear, you know, a long sleeve top and a bracelet. But, you know, that's, what, it's not going to. What do you what do you care about that? Or do you have a particular religious principle that that bans the someone seeing your girlfriend's tattoo? No, no. I guess now this is where it gets a bit, bit more uh, tricky. Is it that you're a controlling monster? <laughs> no, this is what I'm trying to avoid. That kind of talk. <laughs> I uh, when you initially sent in your request for the, to hear this case, you wrote so hoping you will, but probably won't find in my favor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because because 
on first glance, I, it might seem like I'm a controlling monster. Mm-hmm. But but really, I think that it would be a mistake for Emily to get a tattoo on oh, her wrist like that. Now, now we can have a conversation. Why do you, you can certainly offer advice to another human being who wants to disfigure themselves. Mm. Why, what, what advice do you offer Emily? Why do you think it is a mistake for her to get a tattoo, a small tattoo of a sad tree on a, <laughs> on a relatively obscure portion of her wrist? Well, I don't know that it's that obscure uh, in that, you know, say, you know, Emily does um, public speaking sometimes and does presentations and things like this where, you know, you're walking around and, and you know, not, and it's, it's, you know, to do with the council and she had a meeting with the mayor not that long ago. Basically, you're saying she met the mayor of Melbourne? Some mayor. We've got more than one. I but see. Some, some mayor, yeah. Well, okay. Well, so Wait a minute. Is- City of Melbourne has multiple mayors? It's a big place. Is there like a Monday through Friday mayor and a weekend mayor? <laughs> Nature's mayor Time of Melbourne. <laughs> That's a good pitch. Hot, let's pitch this to CBS. Third shift, colon, Melbourne mayor. <laughs> no, let's pitch it to ABC, the Australian broadcasting company. Ooh. Hello. <laughs> so you're saying that this is going to limit her professionally somehow because the mayor of Melbourne... Or one of the mayors of Melbourne is going to freak out if she, if he sees sad tree on her wrist by accident. Yeah, uh-huh. that's I guess that's the core of my of my argument. Mm-hmm. The core is that it that she'll basically be prejudiced against. She people will people will be prejudiced against her. What is her career exactly aside from walking around and talking and meeting mayors and showing her wrist off? Hmm. What is her what Hold is her on. job description? Do you not know? Don't wait for the translation. What is her job description? I think it's called volunteer coordinator. Mm-hmm. Is it just words volunteer here? coordinating person. Are these just words that you are seeing on the spines of the books in the bookshelf in front of you? <laughs> where it's on she, the bottom of my mug. Where does she work? Uh the count city of the, the city of Banyul is where her offices are. No, shaking your head. Nalimbic, Nalimbic council mm, offices. Now you're just making up words. The, <laughs> the city of Nalimbic. Nalimbic. No, that's that's a, that's part of the lymphatic system. What is the what is the name what is the what is the name of the organization for which she works? Pals. What? It's an acronym. <laughs> Pals. It stands for. <laughs> is that Pals or Hals? Or, or are you being purposely vague with your mouth sounds? Uh, pals with a P. Do you know what your girlfriend does for a living? I do. But I don't have a good understanding of of how this sort of office work works. Well, then you are perfectly positioned to tell her how to how to conduct herself in her professional environment. Do you work in the field, sir? Are you a surveyor, a laborer, a ditch digger? Yeah, I work in construction. Is that so? You work in construction? Yeah, yeah, I'm an electrician. All right, very good. Uh, where you are expected to have tattoos all over your body, traditional Australian, electri- uh, yeah, yeah, Australian, right, yeah. yeah. Do, uh, by the way, how long does it take to send an email in Australia? Uh, what what what's going on? Is she is she cranking up a a, a generator? Uh, no, I don't know. Did it work? I think so. Uh, are think you back? Sent- all right, let me see. Yes, if, I'm what, back. I think I sent it. Uh, welcome back. I'm waiting for your email. <laughs> To be transmitted. It has a it has a very long way to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Being being transmitted uh, via the uh, the electronic mail relay at the Earth's core, and I'm sure it will be here any moment. And then I will get to see the beautiful tree that you want to have. Uh, John was just explaining that he thought it was it, it would be uh, uh, unprofessional of you to have a visible tattoo. Uh, and then I asked him what your profession was, and he made up a lot of words. What is it that you do? <laughs> 
No, he got it mostly right. All right. But um, I'd like to hear it from someone who can explain it briefly and succinctly so that people can understand it. Okay. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm a volunteer coordinator, um, and that means that I work in a not-for-profit organization that has volunteers, and I manage um, and recruit and um, interview all the volunteers and then supervise them. Um, and, yeah, so they're always – it's community sector, and they're um, – is that making sense? Yes, that makes perfect sense. Now, is it common, very common, somewhat common, or not common at all within your working group and work environment to see a sad tree on someone's wrist or a, or a weeping angel on someone's forehead or whatever? <laughs> well, I don't think I've seen an angel on a forehead, but no, that would, um, that would tattoos and – yeah, inappropriate. Tattoos and visible tattoos are – uh, whatever the medium one was, common. quite common. Quite common, common. yes. Common well, or quite common? Uh, probably a bit less than really common. Like one, <laughs> out, one out of every five people? One out of every ten or one out of every three? Let's say one out of every eight. Can that be an option? Uh, one out of every eight, sure. They're, they're all numbers. <laughs> they're, they're all options. <laughs> okay. John, does one out of every eight sound about right to you or do you disagree? That assessment. I'm not. I'm not going to disagree with that. All right. After my efforts to try and get the actual job right, I'm probably well, not qualified to say. No, no, you're you're qualified to trust your own lying eyes. If you say that there are fewer, if you've been around for many nonprofit office parties or whatever, and you would say it's much less than that, you are entitled to say that. No, but, no, I think I think she's she's right. Right. You're yeah. good. You're under oath, and you realize that. All right. Do you have aspirations? This is, a, this is a non-profit. Do you ever have an aspirations for working for a profit? Uh, no, I don't because uh, for-profit organizations are not legally allowed to have volunteers. <laughs> ah, but do you have, what are your, how old are you? I'm 28. All right. And John, how old are you? 30. 30, all right. About, about the same, both kind of older. You've been around for a while. What do you want to do with your life, Emily, quickly? Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, well, I definitely do want to stay in this sector working with volunteers. You are going to stay. Um, so that, let me just ask you this. Do you anticipate mm -hmm. that you're going to stay in the, in the one tattoo in eight sector for reasonably for the rest of your professional career? Or do you have aspirations to move into the one in 35 tattoo sector? <laughs> I well, I think, yeah, reasonably I do, I do want to stay in the sector where I am. I like it. I think it's perfect. Because you live in Australia, you never have to make any money, so you can continue to volunteer in the tattoo district forever, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, I don't volunteer. I get paid. Right, you but, get paid, um, right. <laughs> yes, but okay. I'm yeah, happy to stay where I am, but, you know, move up to more senior positions. Right. Um, in bigger organizations, but they would still be community-based, not-for-profit organizations. Yeah. Ba basically, if you don't have tattoos, you're going to have dreadlocks in that situation, right? Probably, yeah. Right. Or ripped jeans or right. I, old sneakers. The next, the next line of questioning I have has to do with this tattoo. Unfortunately, I've still not received it via electromail. Um, but, wow. So we're gonna have to do, I'm going to have to uh, invite you to paint once again a word picture of it. Because after all, our listeners will not be able to hear it or will not be able to see it on the podcast anyway, but we will eventually post it online. But before we do, I want to add someone to the call uh, so that he can hear your testimony. Stand by, please. La, 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 la. Josh, are you there? I'm here, John. Hi. Hey. So this is uh, expert witness Josh Clark, one half of the podcasting team. Stuff you should know, everybody. Whoa! <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs> Josh, Hi. apparently you have some fans in Australia. Please meet Emily and John. Nice. How are you guys Good. doing? Hi. Great. Great. You we're the first podcast we ever heard. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I had I had no idea when I set this up. I had no idea. And of course, say hello to bailiff Jesse Thorne, Josh. Yeah. Hey, Jesse, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing okay. How about you, Josh? I'm doing pretty good. It's a nice afternoon here. 
I even took Jesse by surprise with this one because <laughs> as we were getting onto the podcast, I sent, I sent an urgent message to Josh, not because uh, Emily and John from Melbourne, Australia are big Stuff You Should Know fans, as am I, because uh, I didn't know that, but because, Josh, you have uh, more than one tattoo. Is that not correct? That is correct. I guess I'm down to probably about an eighth of the other one now. So I have one full tattoo, and now I have just about an eighth of a tattoo. What, what do you mean? What, what, what are you, what's going uh, on? I, I underwent a process to get uh, one of them removed. Was it the one, one that said MS-13, the world's most dangerous game? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. I've broken my ties with them. I've made my peace, and I'm trying to move on. I understand. Josh, before you talk, before you talk about the one that you're having removed, let me, explain, let me explain to you the situation here. Okay. Emily and John are boyfriend-girlfriend in Australia. They, right. bo- they both have, John has two, excuse me, three tattoos, and Emily has two, and she wants to get a third. But this third one will be in a visible place on her, uh, on her wrist, on her left wrist. And John objects to this, fearing that it is going to cause Emily professional uh, 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 prejudice in the future. Sure. And, and, uh, and I'd like to get your thoughts on that, but I'd also like to get your thoughts first on uh, your thought process about getting things that will be on your body for the rest of your life. <laughs> um, okay. Well, as far as the, the visible, the, the getting the tattoo on the wrist, yeah. I think it was Henry Rollins who said you should never get a tattoo below your wrist because even if you go into the business world, you're going to be wearing like a shirt cuff typically. And anything that's covered by your shirt is fair game. Anything that won't be covered by your shirt cuff is you you might get uh, discriminated against. He put it far better than I just did, but I'm pretty sure it was Henry Rollins who said that. Um, so it's not necessarily my opinion, but Henry Rollins knows what he's talking about when it comes to tattoos. I right. think he was driving a Hummer that one of the jackass guys was getting a tattoo in the back of at, on one of the movies. <laughs> so Henry Rollins. So that's Henry Rollins' take. Henry on it. Rollins feels that in, in the in the world of of uh, of rock and roll and spoken word performance art and movies, having visible tattoos uh, is possibly an object of prejudice. I, I'm, I'm almost positive it was Henry Rollins. So, or, yeah, I think so. I think he's, I mean, he's a pretty sensible guy. Have you heard any of his spoken word stuff? Yeah, don't worry about that. Okay, well, I'm just saying he, he's sensible. So, but his advice, his advice to Emily in Australia would be don't get a tattoo that would be visible below the, the cuff of your shirt because you might end up double regretting it because it will hurt you in your career. Is that what he, Henry Rollins is saying? Paraphrasing? Right. All right. Right, exactly. Do You're you, going to shake someone's hand and be like, oh, no, wait, and it'll, it'll be too late. You have no visible tattoos, right? I mean, they're visible with your shirt off, but if your shirt on, right. you're good. One, one, yeah, I typically keep my shirt on. Are you wearing a shirt right now? I'm wearing, yes, I'm wearing a shirt right now. Oh, don't worry. That's fine. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you don't want to, you don't want to get with the gang. You know, this is a shirtless podcast, so... I'm the only one wearing a shirt right now, aren't yeah, I? Yeah, you are, kind of. Yeah. This is what happens when you get Skyped in late to a podcast that's already underway. That's true. <laughs> so, tell me, about, tell me about the tattoo, the, the first tattoo that you got. The first tattoo that I got, I was a youngster. I was, I think, 17, maybe? I don't know. Mid to late teens. And um, I knew I wanted a tattoo... I just didn't know what I wanted. And uh, I don't remember, I think I probably heard it from more than one person, but let's say a, a, an older boy, a, a local tough, suggested that uh, <laughs> I would, if, a Henry Rollins if I were to get a tattoo. Yeah, it, and it may have been Henry Rollins now that I think about it. He has a lot of advice about tattoos. Um, but he, whoever it was said, if you're going to get something, you want to get something that, that you're going to love for the rest of your life. So I thought about this a little more. And um, I realized that I was really into polo clothing at the time, like heavy into polo. <laughs> and so I thought, well, I'm, I'm sure I'll love polo for the rest of my life. So I'll just get the <laughs> polo emblem tattooed on my right bicep. And I went ahead and did it. 
So for many, many years, about 20 years now, I've had a polo emblem on my right bicep. And to be perfectly clear for those who are, who are listening, uh, uh, who, who may not understand this, Josh is talking about the logo for Ralph Lauren polo, the dude, the silhouette of the dude riding a horse that you would find on the breast of a polo shirt. Not some, not some generic polo image of the sport polo, but the specific brand, trademark, and brand craft of Ralph Lauren polo. That was a pretty bad decision, but it is better than <laughs> if you had decided to get the logo of the Beverly Hills Polo Club clothing company. That would have been far, far, far worse. It doesn't have nearly the same cachet as Ralph Lauren's polo line, you know? I, this is a good time for me to, to tell you that I have tattooed across my stomach Banana Republic for life, but in the old lettering from, from back when they used to sell pith helmets. That's right. Because I thought it would be forever. So do you regret getting the polo emblem on your bicep, and is that the one you're having removed? No, um, that one, I'm kind of like, I, I like this. It's, it's, you know, I've had it for 20 years and it's just, it's just so ridiculous that I, it, it almost, it went from something that was me at the time to something that had, a, that was a reflection of part of me that I didn't even come to understand until I was an older guy. And now I'm like, this thing's just so absurd. I, I just, I want to keep it. The other one the one that's on my ankle that I've been having removed um, over the course of maybe eight or ten um, really painful laser procedures um, is another Ralph Lauren logo. <laughs> there is a it was defunct, but they brought it back. The Double RL Ranch brand. It's an it's an R. It's a backwards R up against another R with an L jutting out of it that's meant to look like a cattle brand. And it was like a, a line of like kind of rustic, rugged jeans and shirts that Ralph Lauren came out with in the late 90s. And I was like, you know, I got one polo tattoo. I'd like another tattoo. I really like this double RL brand. And I will, um, let's get that on my ankle. And by the way, getting a, a tattoo on your ankle, I don't know if you know this, Emily, uh, if you have one on there, anywhere there's bone, it's extremely painful. Where it's fat, like on my bicep, it's fine. But on the bone, it's like it's pretty painful to get a tattoo yeah. there. So, first of all, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you're man enough to admit that your biceps are made of fat. Of <laughs> all, what you say there is particularly germane because Emily is thinking about getting a tattoo on uh, the, the a portion of her wrist that is quite bony. Is that not right? I'm, very bony. And so, Josh, just to just to close out the personal narrative here, you yeah. are getting the the double RL logo removed, not not because it is a brand logo, which that you had tattooed to your body on a whim for the rest of your life, presumably. Yeah. But because yeah. you gambled on the wrong brand logo, and you're embarrassed <laughs> that you picked one that went out of business and didn't have staying power. Uh no, no, because I, I kind of felt for a little while, um, you know, it came back. But for a little while when it was defunct, I felt like I was carrying on some sort of cultural relic, you know, yeah. that only, you know, a few people might be aware of. They'd be like, hey, that guy remembers Double RL brand and, and that'd be that. Um, no, it, this one was just, it was superfluous. It was unnecessary. Uh, they say that when you get a tattoo, it's kind of addictive and you want more than one, which by the way, dies out pretty quickly after you get that second or third or whatever. If you just stop for a second, your tattoo addiction usually dies out pretty quick. So it's more just like, um, no, it was an unnecessary tattoo, and I'm grateful that there's such a thing as uh, Groupons that my wife is willing to spring for for discount cut rate laser tattoo removal um, and uh, that you can actually get rid of a tattoo these days. So now, Emily... Josh mm -hmm. is going to listen in, as is Bailiff Jesse, because the thing that I think ultimately will determine my judgment on this is whether or not this tattoo of a lonely tree without leaves in the Cockaboot Doodle area national park of the Northern Territories 
is so meaningful to you that it will it is worth the risk, however minor, to your forward professional career, balanced against the happiness that you are going to gain, however great, from this sad, uh, this Christmas sadness tree that you want to put on your body. <laughs> so you have the floor with no interruptions. What does this tattoo mean to you, Emily? So this place uh, where I was, where the tree is, um, is in Kakadu National Park. Don't disrespect it. <laughs> um, and it's a very ancient, very, very beautiful place in Australia. Um, and uh, as I was saying, I'm not a religious or a particularly spiritual person, but it's the closest I felt to um, something bigger than myself. And it was... Um, I suppose quite profound and very hard to put into words as it turns out. <laughs> um, but it's, and also another um, interesting point is that I'm getting my sister to draw the design for me. Um, so that will add another. Um, did you travel kind of, to Kakadu uh, National Park with her? No, I did not. So how does she know what this tree looks like? She's seen pictures. I plan to take her there one day. Mm-hmm. And, um, She's a very talented um, artist, very, mm-hmm. very good at drawing. And so she will um, make a design for me that will be very beautiful and it will be special. Really, anything that she draws will be special too. Um, so, What will this tattoo serve to remind you of by having it in this particular place? Well, I'll be able to see it, which is not the case with any of my other tattoos. And I've always wanted one that actually I can see because it's for me really not you know for but the if, world but if you are so, if you're talking about putting the tattoo on on your wrist on uh, the bony part of your wrist following the direct line from your pinky finger down to where your wrist meets your hand that's actually a kind of an awkward place to view your beautiful tattoo is it not no i can turn my wrist around well can you not <laughs> maybe i should be getting some physical therapy <laughs> it would be easier, but would it not be easier to view your beautiful, your beautiful uh, reminder of your um, uh, pointlessness in the universe uh, by putting it on the inside of your arm, above, well above your wrist, say just below the elbow? That would work too, I suppose. So um, why why is it important that it be in a place that is visible? Well. Uh, I don't feel like I'm making a point, but it's it's the place that I've chosen, and so I think uh, you know I I just think the society shouldn't have a problem with it. And you're suggesting that you should have a right to decide what to do with your own body. Yes, interesting, outrageous, huh? interesting. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> <laughs> how many how many tattoo, how many tattoos will you get in life? over my whole life? Yes. Oh. Dozens. No, no, no. I think probably not very many more. How many? I I don't think Josh was talking about it being an addiction. I don't think that's what it is, but I um, because I've seen those shows where people have twenty five tattoos, and I don't want to. I don't want to go down that road. (laughs) When did you get your first tattoo? I was twenty four. So, and you're twenty eight now. Yes. And you got the you got uh, you got the feather tattoo that matches. uh, your boyfriend's tattoo two years ago. At, no, at a, at a at a at a maximum. Yeah, more recently than that. When was it? It was six months ago. Yeah. No, a year ago. Say. Well, there's a difference, even in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> six months. It definitely wasn't a year ago. I would go with Emily on this. All right. Very good. Uh, and how many tattoos are you going to get, John? Oh, you know, just. As as they strike me, you know, there's no particular time time frame to you it. No, that's not how you get something. tattoos. You're not you're not you're not stricken by lightning, and you suddenly have a tattoo. <laughs> oh, that would be good. <laughs> you know, just for as momentous events might happen, then that's when you might get a tattoo about it. Before I go into chambers to uh, consider my decision, uh, expert witness Josh Clark. Yes, you heard Emily's uh, explanation uh, for. The meaning of this particular tattoo, does that hold water for you, even though it is not the trademark of a major multinational corporation? Yeah, I have to say, this that tattoo is way more thought out than mine 
is. Um, <laughs> and, and I think that gives it a lot of uh, a lot of credence when you're deliberating, John. Um, secondly, as long as Emily thinks that, um, I mean, it sounds like she'll always like the tree. As long as she thinks she'll like her sister in 20 years, then like uh, <laughs> this might be something to go with. Um, I hope so. And then I also kind of get the placement of it as well. It's kind of like you know, it's not. It's something that you're um, not. You're you're trying to show yourself. It's for you, but you're also not ashamed of it. You're not hiding it somewhere where it's out of sight of people. Yeah, you're so, not. You're not a coward like uh, Henry Rollins. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, as an expert witness, I, I, I got to say, I, I sign off on this one. All right. I think I've heard everything I need to. I'm going to go into my chambers. Can't believe Josh. <laughs> I'm going to go into my chambers and uh, consult the, 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 the law books that I had tattooed on my inner thigh. I should be back <laughs> in a moment uh, to render my decision. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. John, how are you feeling about your chances in this case now that you've heard the arguments? Well, I never thought I would have Josh Clark turn against me in a court of fake law. But I just, I think, I wish I'd emphasized more that I'm not against the tattoo. And I just think she would still be so happy with it in a, in a location where she's not going to have any, you know, side effects, as it were. Emily, do you sincerely believe that you can coordinate volunteers with a visible tattoo of a tree? I think I could probably do it better. Really? No, I, I, don't, I think it will have no impact. <laughs> did, you, did you not also mention you're getting the tree plus a single tear under the corner of your eye? <laughs> oh. <laughs> the volunteers you've killed? <laughs> <laughs> don't joke about that. A friend last night was saying she wanted to get that. It, it's uh, yeah, it, that's a... That's a teller. It's a terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> get that. <laughs> Yeah, even I think that one's a terrible idea. <laughs> we'll have to see what Judge Hodgman has to say. We'll be back in just a moment with Judge John Hodgman's decision after these quick announcements. You're listening to Judge John Hodgman. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Of course, the Judge John Hodgman podcast always brought to you by you the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join, and you can join them by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024, 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I, I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step-by-step, day-by-day, bird-by-bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad, and I got one for my mother-in-law, and it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, 
and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up, seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom. So tattoos are very personal. And in many ways, my asking Emily what her tattoo was going to be of and what it meant to her and where it should be all mattered nothing because she ultimately has control over her body and she can do whatever she wants with it, no matter what uh, her boyfriend of two years might think is allowed him under Australian law. But... <laughs> I do think that it was important to hear the uh, the the story of young Josh Clark and then Emily to be force you to tell your story uh because these are things that are relatively permanent it used to be routinely and completely permanent but now a days thanks to technology relatively permanent because the reality is we do live in a time where two things are happening one tattoos are much more common uh, than they used to be, even in professional situations in certain areas of certain culture. That is to say, m most urban sections of the United States, you're going to see you're going to see tattoos. And when I say you're going to see tattoos, you're going to see tattoos. People have tattoos all over their hands, uh, all over their necks, all over their other visible upper arms, lower arms, places where they will often be seen, even in uh, professional offices. And I gather from your description of the crazy tattoo district in your, in your neighborhood of Melbourne, that that is true <laughs> in Australia as well, although it is not true in other cultures. And John, I know that's something you brought up in evidence that you did not bring up in discussion, but for example, mm. in Japan, what quickly? Well, in Japan, in Japan, it's, it's pretty full on and, uh, you actually wouldn't be allowed to go uh, to lots of places, you know, a gym or a pool or anywhere, they're completely against it. If they see a visible tattoo, they'll consider you a Yakuza, even if you're a young girl. That's right. And Emily, are you a member of the yeah. Yakuza? No, not yet. And, were you a, and, and, and does that change your mind about whether or not you want to get a tattoo on your wrist? I, I do really love Japan and I would love to travel there again. Uh, they really will give you a hard time about it. Excuse me, John. Excuse me, John. <laughs> but at this at this point, you wouldn't be able to. You'd have to wear a, a, a like a, a a full a full body bathing suit. <laughs> yeah. And, it's like, and, and you and you, John. You the thing is, you'd have to wear a full body bathing suit. You've made you can't condemn her for making the same choices. If it's a question about going to a pool, chances are one or all of your tattoos would be revealed, John. So mm, perhaps I could wear a t shirt though. Right. And she could also put on a wristband. Going into a tattoo with the eyes that are tattooed onto your eyelids open <laughs> is important, right? Because you might just find yourself in a position like young Josh Clark, where you realize you've made a grievous error by choosing the wrong corporate logo to tattoo on your on your. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that. <laughs> and because the second thing that is going on uh, in culture today is that you are now seeing older people who got tattoos when they were younger, when they thought they were going to be immortal and live forever, uh, sporting those tattoos at the gym or the pool or whatever. And it doesn't matter when anyone thinks they're Yakuza. It is clear that they are sad to have, Aww. well, to have that, not sad. that maroon five tattoo <laughs> <laughs> you know, on your lower back. I mean, tramp stamp removal is a growing industry. That and, would, yeah, that would and, be sad. And even though there is removal available, tattoo, tattoo is, and I speak as someone who actually does have a tattoo that is small and not regrettable. Can uh, you tell us what your, what your tattoo is? I'll, you know what? I'll put a picture up on the internet. Oh, Because we don't, we don't have time anymore. And you can all, maybe we'll have a contest as people can guess what, this, what the symbolism means. <laughs> <laughs> but... 
it is it is important to choose your tattoos very wisely and the placement of them with real forethought uh because it is something that you don't you know no one wants to get married in order to get divorced and similarly no one should get a tattoo with the feeling like yeah i can just get out of this later because it is a painful procedure and one a procedure that ultimately speaks of to, that is removal that ultimately speaks of ambivalence whereas that tattoo is a great mm. bold statement of permanence and i'd like to retain for the tattoo and the art of tattoo that permanence rather than make it seem as though it's something that you can t- put on and take off like a like a like a t-shirt mm. agreed i i am satisfied that emily has thought this through and has a good plan for her tattoo. I am equally satisfied that within the world in which she works, it is not going to be as scandalous as John fears. I I appreciate, uh, but I'm not uh, I'm not scared straight by John's story about how you'll be immediately put in prison if, if you go to Japan and someone says you're <laughs> Could happen. <laughs> uh, I believe that there are there are reasonable ways to uh, to cover the tattoo if the situation warrants. Uh, and I also do not see any evidence that Emily is going into any of her tattoos rashly, even though, honestly, getting a tattoo to match your unmarried boyfriend is perhaps the most rash act you can do. It seems like you two like each other, and I don't even hate that. So clearly, <laughs> at least one of you is thoughtful. So, and and finally, there is tattoo removal should Emily decide to go into uh, a, a, a profession that would truly... Uh, frown upon our tattoos such that it hurt her professional uh, uh, circumstances, uh, she could at need have it removed. And because it is in a place where it seems to be as painful going on as it would be coming off, it's all a wash anyway. Thus, I mark Emily with my Judge John Hodgman brand of approval. This is the sound of a gavel. I said Lydia, he said Lydia, I said Lydia, we said Lydia, la, la. Judge John Hodgman rules that is all. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. How are you feeling, Emily? Pretty good. I think my next tattoo will be um, of John Hodgman's face. (laughs) And then the one after that? Yeah. <laughs> there were what two about acceptable one? answers. One was Jesse Thorne's face. One was oh. the mean joke answer, which is Josh Clark's face. Oh, no, definitely <laughs> Josh Clark's face. <laughs> oh, I wish I had that gavel right now. <laughs> John, how are you feeling? Wow. Thank you. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Not too bad. You know, after hearing about the Ralph Lauren tattoo, this this one that Emily's talking about seems far more more reasonable. It could be worse. But yeah, yeah, I guess it's not not the end of the world. Well, guys. I really thought I'd win. Oh, man. We appreciate you taking the time to be on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Thanks a lot, Jesse. Thank you. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. 
Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hi, Judge Hodgman. Oh, sorry. I was just having this tattoo of the Banana Republic Jeep coming out of my stomach uh, removed. Do you think I should get this Theodore Roosevelt-era Abercrombie & Fitch tattoo removed? No, that's a classic. That's going to come back around. Oh, thank goodness. Well, while we're waiting, should we clear the docket? Please. <laughs> we're waiting for the Abercrombie & Fitch logo to come back around? Yeah, for well, for Abercrombie & Fitch to once again be a legendary sportsman's outfitter yeah. rather than uh, clothing for high school jerks. Uh, yes, I'll set the timer for five minutes. Here's something from Scott. I'm bringing a case against my wife, Hannah, regarding the declawing of our cat. We adopted Wendy about five months ago, and this otherwise wonderful cat has mercilessly shredded some of our admittedly ugly old furniture. Hannah and I agreed on declawing if the cat tears up other furniture. A friend left a chair at our apartment for brief storage, and the cat went to town on it. Hannah claims this does not count, and that the original agreement was for other furniture that belonged personally to us. May I declaw this mostly lovely cat for the sake of honoring our contract and the well-being of our home? Well, this is a very controversial uh, issue, whether or not to declaw cats. I will say that uh, my mother, when she was alive, got two cats and uh, had them uh, declawed on their front paws. Uh, And a lot of people find this to be uh, mutilation uh, and traumatic to the cats. All I can say is that the cats did not seem any more bat feces, neurotic, and crazy than any other cat that I've ever met that does have its claws. And they would do an an adorable, what some people would think is a tragic thing, which is go up to uh, uh, the the legs of couches or the ends of, uh, of sofas and just rub their paws along them gently as though trying to scratch, but getting no purchase whatsoever. But then I'm a monster and I enjoy seeing cats being humiliated. I don't, I I think that there are two issues here. One is whether or not you want to mutilate your cat. Two is whether or not your wife, Hannah, is going to honor an agreement that you made. Hannah's attempt to get out of the agreement on the technicality that it was not your own furniture that got clawed is absurd. And indeed, fully within the realm of your contract for you to enforce the declawing of your cats. That said, the fact that Hannah was was pushed to utter uh, deception in this case suggests that she feels very strongly uh, that she wants the your cat to not be declawed. And I have to say that uh, whether uh, though I think that declawing is acceptable in certain cases, and my understanding is the earlier the better in the cat's life, so that it does not become totally defenseless without understanding what's going on, uh, I would I would always err on the side of avoiding uh, unnecessary surgery uh, if there is any doubt whatsoever. Uh, and in this case, I would say don't get your cat declawed. You may take it to the vet and have its claws capped with rubber that will prevent the damage and do that once a month or so. It's actually pretty effective, and uh, it's a, uh, I, I don't know how it stacks up in terms of cost, but uh, it's, it's amusing to see your cat walk around with big rubber things on its paws. Um, here's something from Steve. On a recent episode, Judge and Jury, Judge committed the popular usage mistake of saying reticence when the correct word is reluctance. Oh, Steve, you're right. I'm sorry if this seems pedantic, but the judge did recently correct a defendant who said feel badly instead of feel bad, so I don't think my criticism is misplaced. I seek an injunction against the judge and all humankind to refrain from using and popularizing this mistake and other increasingly common ones like sneak peek, hear, hear, and beg the question in place of raise the question. Well, first of all, Steve, you are a pedant of the highest order, but I have to accept your ruling. Reticence does not mean reluctance. In fact, reticence means the state or quality of being reticent. And reticent means not hesitant or reluctant, but shy and retiring. Inclined to be silent or uncommunicative? 
Exactly so. So I was wrong. And I will accept your judgment, Steve. Uh, I also agree with you, Steve, that one should not say here, here, spelled H-E-R-E-H-E-R-E. Or I guess I should say no one should not write it, because if you say it, no one's going to know the difference. It is here, H-E-A-R, here, H-E-A-R. And indeed, beg the question does not mean raise the question. Begging the question is a very specific logical fallacy, which is attempting to prove a premise by restating the premise. And I might even have that right. But I am with you on that, Steve, even though it's a losing battle. I don't know what you're talking about with regard to sneak peek, so I will have to look that up. And uh, and listeners, if you want to uh, let me know, you can always email me at hodgman at maximumfun.org. But Steve, why don't you take a rest in the pedantry department? There are plenty of them out there. Well, that's all our time for this week's Judge John Hodgman podcast. If you've got a case that you'd like us to decide, or if you know someone who has a case that you think should be decided by Judge John Hodgman, go to MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. You will find a helpful case submission form. The judge does review all of your cases. If you have thoughts about the show, please comment on our Facebook page or Get at us on Twitter, at Jesse Thorne and at Hodgman. MaximumFun.org is on Twitter, at MaxFunHQ. If you want to name a future case, it's easy. Follow us on Twitter and submit your suggestion when we ask. This week's case was named by Molly Walsh. Thanks, Molly. Thanks, Molly. We'll talk to you next time on the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. The Judge John Hodgman Podcast is a production of MaximumFun.org. Our special thanks to all of the folks who donate to support the show and all of our shows at MaximumFun.org slash donate. The show is produced by Julia Smith and me, Jesse Thorne, and edited by Mark McConville. You can check out his podcast, Super Ego, in iTunes or online at GoSuperEgo.com. You can find John Hodgman online at AreasOfMyExpertise.com. If you have a case for Judge John Hodgman, go to MaximumFun.org slash J-J-H-O. If you have thoughts about the show, join the conversation on our forum at forum.maximumfun.org and our Facebook group at facebook.com slash Judge John Hodgman. We'll see you online and next time right here on the Judge John Hodgman podcast. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.